So when they learnt magic, what did they do? Allah says, فَيَتَعَلَّمُونَ So then they learnt. مَا يُفَرِّقُونَ That which يُفَرِّقُونَ They would separate. بِهِ through it بَيْنَ الْمَرْءِ Between the man وَزَوْجِهِ and his wife. They would learn such magic through which they would cause separation between who? A husband and a wife. يُفَرِّقُونَ From فَارَقَاتِ تَفْرِيق And تَفْرِيق is to create فَرْق between the two. To separate the two. Remember we learned the word فَرَقْنَا وَإِذْ فَرَقْنَا بِكُمُ الْبَحْرَ What does فَرَقَ mean? To separate two things. So يُفَرِّقُونَ They would separate بِهِ through that magic بَيْنَ الْمَرْءِ Between the man وَزَوْجِهِ and his wife. Such magic through which they would cause divorce and separation between couples. Allah says, وَمَا هُمْ And they were not. بِضَارِّينَ At all wants to harm. ضَارِّينَ is a plural of the word ضَار From the root letters ضَاد را را ضَرَر What does ضَرَر mean? Harm, to cause loss. So they would not at all harm بِهِ through it, meaning through magic مِنْ أَحَدٍ Any person إِلَّا except بِإِذْنِ اللَّهُ With the permission of Allah. إِذْن هَمْزَ ذَا nun Permission. What does it mean by this? They learned magic and they practiced magic. And of the magic that they practiced was what? Causing division between families. Causing separation between a husband and a wife. Dividing, cutting up relatives. And if you think about it, if the family unit is broken, what would be the state of the rest of the society? If a husband and wife cannot tolerate each other, if they are cut off from each other, then what will be the state of the rest of the people? Will they be able to tolerate one another? No. So, when they affected the families, it shows that they affected the entire society. Whatever magic they performed, it could only have an effect if Allah allowed it to happen. In other words, if they practiced magic, but if Allah did not allow for the effect to take place, that magic would not have any effect whatsoever. But if Allah allowed for that magic to take an effect, then would that have an effect? Yes. So what does it show? That ultimately, no harm, no benefit can reach a person unless and until who allows? Allah allows. A person may wonder, how could Allah allow that someone should suffer? How could Allah allow that a family be broken up? You know, like you see, so much injustice being committed today. Innocent children are being treated in a way that even criminals should not be treated. And you think about it that Allah allows it to happen. So what does it mean by that? Remember, one is what Allah allows to happen, and the other is what Allah likes. What Allah wants should happen. There is a difference between the two. What Allah allows to happen, it doesn't necessarily mean that He likes it. Allah will allow good to happen, Allah will allow bad to happen. Why? Because this world is a test. For example, if a person wants to lie, he's lying. Allah allows him to lie. He gives him the ability to lie. He lets him lie. Allah allowed him, but who is the one who decided? Who is the one who wanted? The person himself, right? Now, because of that decision that he made, should he not be held accountable? Should he not be punished? Of course. But if a person wants to lie, Allah doesn't let him lie. Allah does not give him the ability to lie. That as soon as he starts lying, his tongue freezes. Then is there a test for him? No. For that person, there is no choice of choosing between good and bad. He doesn't have any choice 
between good and bad, then he will only do good. And ultimately, there will be no reward, there will be no punishment. Do you get it? You are rewarded or punished for what? For the choices that you make. And Allah allows us to make our choices. So that in the hereafter, we are rewarded or punished accordingly. But it does not mean that if Allah has allowed us to do something, He really, really likes it. No. There's a huge difference between the two. You know, this is just like if you have a child and they are doing something wrong and you've been telling them, please get off the chair. If you stand on the chair, you can fall and hurt yourself. They don't listen to you. You tell them they don't listen to you. Some parents, what will they do? They will just pick up the child and they will put him on the floor. They will not give the child any choice. Some parents, they will say, you know what? Let him learn. Let him get onto the chair, let him fall, and then he will learn. So, if the child gets hurt and he's crying, can you say that the parents want them to get hurt? Can you say that? Can you say that the parents are so evil? Look at this mother. She has no mercy for her child. She wanted the child to fall and get hurt and cry. Would you say that? No. Just because she allowed it to happen, it doesn't mean that she likes it. So remember this principle. Many times people say, there's so much evil in this world, Allah likes it. How could Allah like all this evil to occur, to happen? No, never think like that. Allah has given us the freedom to choose. And that is where the test is. And on the basis of that, we'll be rewarded or punished in the hereafter. So what do we see over here? That the Bani Israel, they practiced magic. However, they could not harm anyone except by the permission of Allah. Only if Allah allowed magic to have an effect, it would have an effect. What does it show? That people are ultimately allowed to do whatever they want to, but still, who has control over their actions? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He can prevent their actions from having an effect, and He can also allow them to have an effect. Ultimately, all authority is with who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, وَمَا هُمْ بِضَادِينَ مِنْ أَحَدٍ إِلَّا بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ وَيَتَعَلَّمُونَ And they would learn. Notice the word يَتَعَلَّمُونَ This is different from يُعَلِّمُونَ يُعَلِّمُونَ They teach. يَتَعَلَّمُونَ They learn. So they would learn مَا يَضُرُّهُمْ What would harm them? ضَادْرَ وَلَا يَنْفَعُهُمْ And it would not benefit them. يَنْفَعُنُونَ فَعِينَ They learned something that harmed them and did not benefit them. What does it show? That magic only harms the person. The one who practices it. It doesn't bring him any benefit. For example, a person is jealous of the other. He got married to this woman and I like that woman, I want to marry her. Why did this man marry her? So he's jealous. What does he want to do? He wants to harm that man. So what does he do? He goes to a magician, performs magic, and that man, he ends up in a divorce with his wife. So now that woman is not married anymore. Or for example, that woman dies because of the effect of that magic. At the end, will he have that woman? No. Even if he has her, she's going to be damaged. She's not going to be the same. Her husband died. She's not going to be happy. She's going to be a depressed person for the rest of her life. Or she's not going to be the same as he wanted her to be. Magic does not bring any benefit to a person. Recently I learned about this woman who killed another woman because of jealousy. She killed her, but at the end she did not get that man whom she wanted to marry or whom she liked. She satisfied her anger, her jealousy, her frustration, but it did not bring her any benefit. So, Magic only brings what? Harm to a person. It does not benefit a person at all. Neither in this world, nor in the hereafter. Allah says, And certainly they knew 
that لَمَنِ اشْتَرَاهُ That surely whoever purchased it. The Bani Israel, they knew that whoever purchased it. Purchased magic, meaning whoever gave preference to it, whoever learned it, practiced it. Then for this person, مَا لَهُ He does not have فِي الْآخِرَةِ In the hereafter, مِنْ خَلَاق Any share. خَلَاق is from the root letters خَالَمْ قَافْ And خَلَاق is a share of goodness that a person has. Meaning something good that a person has. So they knew that whoever practices magic, he will have no share. Where? In the hereafter. Meaning he will have no reward in the hereafter. His ultimate end is what? Hellfire. There is no hope for him. مَا لَهُ فِي الْآخِرَةِ مِنْ How did they know this? That if a person practices magic, he will have nothing in the hereafter, no reward in the hereafter. Because the angels told them very clearly, إِنَّمَا نَحْنُ فِتْنَةً فَلَا تَكْفُرْ When the angels made it clear to them, they knew that the effects of this magic are only detrimental. وَلَبِئْسَ And surely how bad, مَا That which شَرَوْ They sold, بِهِ For it, أَنفُسَهُمْ Themselves. أَنفُسَ is a plural of nafs. When they practiced magic, when they learned magic, what was the price that they paid for it? It was their akhirah. It was their success. When they practiced magic, what did they give in exchange for it? Their akhirah. Themselves. Because they knew that a person who learns and practices magic, he will have no reward in the hereafter. His ultimate end is hellfire. So Allah says, وَلَبِئْسَ مَا شَرَوْ بِهِ أَنفُسَهُمْ What a terrible thing they sold themselves for. لَوْ كَانُوا يَعْلَمُونَ If only they knew... If only they knew the price that they were paying, they would never ever have purchased magic. They would never ever have practiced it. They would never have learned it. Because a person who practices magic, his ultimate end is what? The hellfire. What a terrible price they paid. Let's listen to the recitation and then we'll go over the lessons. وَاتَّبَعُوا مَا تَتْلُوا الشَّيَاطِينُ عَلَى مُلْكِ سُلَيْمَانِ وَمَا كَفَرَ سُلَيْمَانُ وَلَكِنَّ الشَّيَاطِينَ كَفَرُوا يُعَلِّمُونَ النَّاسَ السِّحْرَ وَمَا أُنزِلَ عَلَى الْمَلَكَيْنِ بِبَابِلَ هَارُوتَ وَمَا وَمَا يُعَلِّمَانِ مِنْ أَحَدٍ حَتَّى يَقُولَا إِنَّمَا نَحْنُ فِتْنَةٌ فَلَا تَكْفُرْ فَيَتَعَلَّمُونَ مِنْهُمَا مَا يُفَرِّقُونَ بِهِ بَيْنَ الْمَرْءِ وَزَوْجِهِ وَمَا هُمْ بِضَارِّينَ بِهِ مِنْ أَحَدٍ إِلَّا بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ وَيَتَعَلَّمُونَ مَا يَضُرُّهُمْ وَلَا يَنْفَعُهُمْ وَلَقَدْ عَلِمُوا لَمَنِ اشْتَرَاهُ مَا لَهُ فِي الْآخِرَةِ مِنْ خَلَاقٍ وَلَبِئْسَ مَا شَرَوْا بِهِ أَنفُسَهُمْ لَوْ كَانُوا يَعْلَمُونَ There are many things that we learn in this verse. First of all, we see that the Bani Israel, they were very interested in learning magic, in practicing magic. Instead of spending their time learning the Book of Allah, practicing the Book of Allah, they spent their time learning and practicing what? Magic. If you compare the two, there's such a huge difference between the two. The book of Allah, when you learn it, what do you get? 
benefit in this world in the akhirah. When you practice it, what do you get? Good in this world and in the akhirah. There is only benefit, no loss. It's a win-win situation. On the other hand, when a person learns and practices magic, then what is he gaining? Only loss. And what is he losing? Only gain. He's only losing. He's gaining nothing. وَلَا يَنْفَعُهُمْ It does not benefit them at all. So the Bani Israel, instead of being interested in the book of Allah, what were they interested in? In magic. We have to ask ourselves as well. What are we interested in? What am I interested in? Where is my mind? Am I interested in the book of Allah? Or am I interested in Sabrina the Teenage Witch? Or Harry Potter? Trying to figure out what they did, how they did, and wanting the same? We have to see. We have to check our hearts. The Bani Israel, because of this interest of theirs, you know what happened? When the Prophet ﷺ came, instead of believing in him, instead of following him, you know what they did? They actually practiced magic to harm the Prophet ﷺ as well. There was a man by the name of Labid bin Al-A'asam. Labid bin Al-A'asam. He was a Jewish man and he lived in Medina. And he is the one who practiced magic against the Prophet ﷺ as well to harm him. So imagine, this interest of theirs, this desire of theirs, made them do such wrong things. Then we also learn that performing magic, this is of the actions of the shayateen. Because Allah says, مَا تَتْلُوا الشَّيَاطِينَ وَلَكِنَّ الشَّيَاطِينَ كَفَرُوا Practicing magic, learning it, doing it, this is whose action? Of the shayateen. This does not befit the righteous servants of Allah. It does not befit a person who is decent. A person who has any care or concern for himself or for others. And we also learn in this verse that learning magic, teaching it, what is it? It is kufr. It is disbelief. Such disbelief that does not leave a person a believer anymore. Instead, he actually becomes a disbeliever by performing magic. Then we also learn in this verse that sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala facilitates acts of disobedience for a person to test him. That what does he do at that time? Is he patient? Does he remain firm? Or does he follow his desires? Just as magic, learning it, practicing it, was made easy for the Bani Israel by the coming of those two angels. Then we also learn in this verse that whenever you're giving something to the people, and if there's any risk involved in it, then you should definitely inform them about it. This is out of what? Well-wishing, out of sincerity to the people. Like the angels, when they were teaching magic, they would tell the people the risk. You know, the risk is that you're committing kufr. And you don't want to do this. Likewise, if you're giving something to someone, if you're selling something, and if there's some risk, if there's something harmful about it, make sure you tell the other person. Otherwise, they may suffer. Can you think of an example? So for example, whenever they sell cigarettes, they say it is detrimental for your health, stay away. But why are you selling it then? So anyway, on a smaller level, you're giving something to another. For example, you know that somebody has sensitivity to let's say nuts or dairy. And you know that there is dairy in that food, in the food that you're serving. And a person is coming and eating it, what should you do at that time? Oh, it's their choice, never mind. Tell them. Don't say it's their choice. Tell them about the risks. Tell them about the harm that they could suffer if you really care for them. If you really have well-wishing for them. Then we also learn in this verse about the great effect of magic. Magic is a reality and it can definitely have a tremendous effect on people. And what do we learn in this verse? Separation between a husband and a wife. And we see that this is something that is 
the most beloved to Iblis. He loves it. That a man and wife are separated. They have discord. They dislike one another. Two people who loved one another at a point. Now they hate each other. This is what Iblis loves. And we learn in a hadith that is recorded in Sahih Muslim that Iblis, he places his arsh, his throne on water. And then what happens is that all of his shayateen, whom he has dispatched to spread facade in the earth, all of them come to him and they report to him of what they have done, of what they have accomplished. I caused this to happen. I caused that to happen. I did this. And Iblis says, you've done nothing. You've done nothing. You've done nothing. And finally, one of them comes up and he says, I did not leave him, meaning I did not leave such and such person until I caused separation between him and his wife. I was on his case. I did not leave him until he pronounced divorce on his wife. I did not leave her. I kept coming to her until she took divorce from her husband. Until I separated between the husband and the wife. The shaitan says that. And Iblis, you know what he does? He draws him very near to himself. And he says, Ni'ma anta. How excellent you are. What a good job you have done. What does shaitan like? Separation between a husband and wife. Because if a person is unhappy in this relationship, then what will happen? It will affect him in the rest of his life. It will make him miserable. It will make him unhappy. It will make him not trust other people. It's going to make him doubtful of others, doubtful of other people's intentions. And it's not going to leave him to have any khushur, any concentration in his salah. It's going to distract him all the time. This is what Iblis loves. And of the ways is using magic. Then we also learn in this verse that something could be very tremendous, very, very huge, but it can only have an effect only if Allah allows. If Allah does not allow that to happen, you know what? It can never, ever happen. So if you have the protection of Allah, if you have the protection of Allah, then you know what? Nobody in this world can harm you. No one at all can cause any, any loss to you if you have the protection of Allah. We learned that the Prophet ﷺ, he said to one of his companions that know that if the entire people were to gather together to harm you, they would not be able to do so. If they gather together to harm you, but Allah does not want that you should be harmed, then they can do nothing. And on the other hand, if Allah wants to harm you, and the entire mankind tries to save you, they cannot save you at all. If Allah intends some harm for you, then no one can remove that. And on the other hand, if Allah wants something good for you, no one can take that away from you. People have this fear. I'm having a pain in my head. Maybe it's magic. My husband is not nice to me. Maybe this is magic. My mother-in-law is so evil to me. Maybe this is magic. I just failed in my exams. Maybe this is magic. Lost my job. Maybe this is magic. Please, don't think that everything in this world is magic. And secondly, be a little strong. Have trust in Allah. Be confident. Have trust in Allah. Know that if somebody tried to even harm you, they cannot harm you unless Allah wants. So seek protection with who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this book that you're learning these days, Iyaka Nastareen, what does it have? Supplications for protection that you're supposed to read in the morning and in the evening to protect yourself against the evil of who? People and jinn.
people get afraid and you know what they do they start doing the most silly things ever but what is it that we are required to do seek protection with who allah subhanahu wa ta'ala go to the one who can actually protect you go to the one who can actually save you rush to him give yourself to him if people think that somebody has performed magic on them what do they do they go to other people who in turn perform magic to remove that magic i don't know how that works you do magic to destroy that magic it's like you have fire and you're trying to finish it by fire it's only going to increase if you fight fire with fire what's going to happen it's only going to increase so the magic how is it eliminated how is it finished how is its effect gone only by the command of allah and to do that you have to go to allah you have to read his words you have to read his quran You have to read those statements that the Prophet ﷺ taught us, not the statements that people have made up themselves. Read your adhkar in the morning, in the evening, at night, and inshallah, nothing can harm you. And if something does harm you, then know that it was by the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He allowed it to happen, and only He can take it away. So continue reading. Continue reading. Continue giving yourself in Allah's protection. Then we also learn in this verse that a person... must always always turn to allah whenever he suffers even the smallest of things anything evil anything bad happens by the permission of who allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even if you stub your toe even if you cut your nail in a way that your finger is hurting the smallest of things that can happen and can cause you harm you know what they have happened at whose permission allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's permission from the smallest to the biggest So only who can remove that? Allah. This is why we see that the companions, they would even turn to Allah at a time when their shoelace would break. Can you imagine? Your shoelace, if it breaks up, what do we do generally? Oh, I'm never going to the store again. I'm never buying anything from them again. We show frustration. We say words of impatience. But these are the times when we are to turn to Allah. Because if He has put us into that problem, He can also take us out of it. And you will experience it yourself. That sometimes it happens. That you are in a problem, you're suffering. And you turn to Allah. And Allah takes care of you immediately. Immediately. I'll share an experience with you. Last week I came to the institute and I was busy feeding my son you know, breakfast and getting ready and everything. I came to Allah and I realized I didn't have breakfast. I forgot to have breakfast. I gave lunch to my husband. I gave breakfast, everything. But I actually forgot to eat. I walked in and the sister, she goes, you want some tea? I'm like, sure. She brought me a cup of pink tea. How rare is that? It's quite rare. And then she got me a sandwich. She brought me breakfast. And at that time, you know, I knew that I don't have time to go to the cafeteria and, you know, get some food or whatever. I just had to get to work immediately. I just turned to Allah. Ya Allah, I'm hungry. And the food just came to me. If at that time I start complaining, you know what? Children, man, they consume you like anything. And if I start complaining, why did I say that I was going to teach on the weekends? What was I thinking? Is it going to get me anywhere? No. But if I turn to Allah, can Allah help me? Yes, He can. So anything you suffer from the smallest to the biggest, turn to who? Allah. Don't look at people. Don't start complaining. Don't get frustrated. Turn to the one who provides you. Turn to the one who can truly take care of you the way that nobody can.
who knows your needs the way nobody else does, who sees you in difficulty the way nobody else does. Only He can save you. So turn to Him in every problem, in every situation. Never think that a problem is too little to show to Allah. You know, we think that only if we have big problems we will turn to Allah. No, even for the smallest of things, turn to Allah. Ask Him. Because it has happened by His Amr and it will go away by His Amr. Then we also learn in this verse that the one who learns magic, the one who practices magic, then he only gets what? Harm and no benefit whatsoever. So this is something that a person must always, always stay away from no matter how tempting it may be. And then we also learn in this verse that a person who is knowledgeable is the one who benefits from his knowledge. If you read this verse, we learn that وَلَقَدْ عَلِمُوا لَمَنِ اشْتَرَاهُ مَا لَهُ فِي الْآخِرَةِ مِنْ خَلَاقِ They knew that a person who does magic, he will have no share in the year after. And then وَلَبِئْسَ مَا شَرَوْ بِهِ أَنفُسَهُمْ لَوْ كَانُوا يَعْلَمُونَ If only they knew. Did they not know? They knew. Then why does Allah say, if only they knew? Because they did not benefit from their knowledge. They did what an ignorant person does. So a person can only be declared a knowledgeable person when he benefits from the knowledge that he has. If a person does not benefit from that knowledge, then what is he? Ignorant. Then he doesn't know. Because if he knew, he would have used that information. If he didn't use it, it's as though he doesn't know. So his level and the level of an ignorant person is the same. So if we want to be considered Ahlul Ilm, the people of knowledge, then what should we start doing? Acting on the knowledge that we have. Because if we don't act on it, it's as though we are ignorant. It's as though we know nothing. Next verse, وَلَوْ أَنَّهُمْ آمَنُوا If only they believed, وَالتَّقَوْ And they adopted taqwa. If only they believed where? In their hearts. وَالتَّقَوْ And they had taqwa where? On their limbs. They had faith in their hearts. And on their limbs, what did they do? They had taqwa. What does it mean by that? Taqwa on limbs. What is taqwa? Taqwa is to do what Allah wants you to do and stay away from what Allah does not like. This is how you take a shield against the punishment of Allah. This is how you protect yourself. So, وَلَوْ أَنَّهُمْ آمَنُوا وَالتَّقَوْا If they believed in their hearts and they adopted taqwa, meaning they practiced taqwa. People say, yeah, I have a lot of taqwa in my heart, but taqwa is actually practiced. So if they believed in Allah and they stayed away from what Allah forbade, and what is that? Magic. لَمَثُوبَةٌ Surely a great reward. مِنْ عِنْدِ اللَّهِ From Allah. خَيْرٌ Much better. لَوْ كَانُوا يَعْلَمُونَ If only they knew. مَثُوبَةٌ is from the root letters. ثَوَابَ ثَوَابَ Have you heard of the word thawab? What does it mean? Reward. Literally the word means to return. And thawab, reward, what is it? That your actions are returned to you. The action that you have done, its recompense, its reward is given to you. So if they had believed and if they had taqwa, then surely the reward that is from Allah would have been much better if they had stayed away from magic and if they had turned to the book of Allah, then the reward that they would gain because of that would be much better. لَوْ كَانُوا يَعْنَمُونَ Meaning instead of choosing magic, if they had chosen the book of Allah, that would have been much, much more beneficial for them. Because when they learned and practiced magic, they only harmed themselves. And if they had turned to the book of Allah, learned and practiced that, then they would have only benefited themselves, if only they knew. I want you to notice something. Min indillah. The reward, لَمَثُوبَةٌ min indillah. Reward that is from Allah. 
It's understood that only Allah is the one who can give you reward. In the akhirah, who else can give reward but Allah? No one can. Because only He is Maliki Yawmiddin. Then why is it said, لَمَسُوبَةٌ مِّنْ عِنْدِ اللَّهِ Why is this being emphasized? For two reasons. First of all, when Allah says that reward is from Him, then it shows that that reward is not ordinary. It is something huge. It is something great. Because something that comes from the one who is very great is definitely great. If someone who is very wealthy, if they give a gift to someone, what kind of a gift would that be? Something very cheap from the dollar store? Would you expect that? No. Somebody who is very wealthy, you expect that the gifts that they give will also be very expensive. Isn't that expected? Isn't that what you match? That's what you think. So similarly, if a reward is coming from Allah, who is Al-Azim, the greatest, then what can you think about that reward? What do you think about that reward? If Allah, the greatest one, is rewarding someone, you think that reward will be ordinary? You think it will be very small? No. It's going to be the best thing that that person can ever have. The best thing. Because what comes from Alim is also Alim. Secondly, the second benefit of saying min indillah is that it is confirmed. Because if Allah says that He will give something or He will do something, then what do we learn? That Allah la yukhliful mi'ad. He does not go against His promise. If somebody else tells you, you do this, I will give you your reward. I'll give you this in return. They're human being, right? It's quite possible they change their mind or they're unable to fulfill their promise. But if Allah has promised you reward, then Allah will fulfill His word. He will fulfill His promise. So in other words, that reward is guaranteed. What's the first benefit? That that reward is great. And secondly, that that reward is guaranteed. So in any situation, if a person has the choice to either obey Allah or do something different, then what should he opt for? Obeying Allah. Why? Because لَمَثُوبَةٌ مِّنْ عِنْدِ اللَّهِ خَيْرٌ It's much better. Much better than what? This world and everything in it. This world and everything in it. Because وَالْآخِرَةُ خَيْرٌ وَأَبْقَى The hereafter is much better and it's everlasting. And this dunya, it is قَلِيل. It is very little in quantity and also in its duration. So everything in this world, any benefit of this world is less compared to the reward that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can give. Let's listen to the recitation. وَلَوْ أَنَّهُمْ آمَنُوا وَاتَّقَوْا لَمَثُوبَةٌ مِّنْ عِنْدِ اللَّهِ خَيْرٌ لَوْ كَانُوا يَعْلَمُونَ Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. So, who would like to share their reflection? Or the reflection of your partner? Maybe your partner had such an awesome reflection, you were like, MashaAllah, that's so good. So, anyone? Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Last week, I went to the Al-Qutr class, the victorious one, Prophet Sallallahu So after this class, I ran to downtown right away. So like I had no food, I had no nothing to eat on my way, and I had no money to buy food, and I was already late for the lecture. 
So I turned to Allah and I said, Ya Allah, provide me with some food. I'm so hungry during the lecture and I can't concentrate. So the next minute, my friend, without my permission, without even telling me, she went, she got me a bagel and a coffee. So I said, Ya Allah, like, alhamdulillah, you know, I turned to Allah and the next minute it was right beside me. So I think that's the reflection that I learned today. That if you turn to Allah, anything can happen if He allows it. Anyone else, inshallah? When you love or desire a sin, Allah facilitates that sin in order to test you. So um, in the store, there's music. And then if you guys like music, there's a choice. Um, you guys can either plug your ear and come out or stay there and listen. You have choices. You can make them. Same thing for TV. You have the TV at home. Either you could turn it off, ignore it, go away, go to the other room. If somebody else is watching and they don't believe that, oh, no, I have to watch my TV show, and you know it's going to waste your time, you could leave. Or you could just turn it off. It's up to you. You make those choices, inshallah, sister. Assalamu I just want to share an incident that happened uh, to me last year. Last year, my husband and I, we got separated. And it was very new and, you know, I didn't know what to do. I was going through a lot of difficulties. And one day I had an accident. And the person who hit my car, he ran away. And uh, I didn't know what to do because the car was in my husband's name and um, it was his insurance. I was just sitting there in the parking lot and I was crying. I didn't know. I couldn't call the cops. And I just prayed to Allah that, Allah, please help me. What do I do? And right away, it was amazing. It was like my phone rang. And it was a very old friend of mine who, hadn't, who I hadn't even met for very long. And when I knew her, that friend was divorced. And she told me that she got remarried and her husband was a car mechanic. And she told me to come to her place. And her place was near to where I had the accident. I went there and... Her husband got my car fixed and, you know, for two days I didn't have my car. I wouldn't have had my car because of it getting fixed and I, you know, I needed it because I had to go to lawyer and I had to go to other places. And I said, what will I do without my car? So my, that friend of mine, she went to her neighbor and uh, actually that friend was beca- my friend because I was her neighbor. So that new family who moved into the apartment where I used to live, They just bought a new car. So their old car was sitting there and she talked to them and then that person brought me the key and gave it to me that sister drive this for two days. And I didn't even know what happened. Like, you know, I was crying an hour earlier and an hour later, you know, all my problems were solved, you know, from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that was something really amazing that I wanted to share. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika nashadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.